What's going on, guys? This is the Founder Hour Podcast. I'm your co-host, Pat. And I'm Mr. Posh. Mr. Posh. And we're coming to you with a special, special episode today. Very special. Very special episode. Bigly special. You want to tell them what the special episode is? Yeah, so crazy, 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 crazy. Have you guys heard of Uber? (laughs) Just kidding. Have you guys heard of Lyft? Okay, you haven't heard of Lyft either. Okay. No. So a few weeks ago. Neither of those guys. Yeah, neither of those guys. But hey, you know, who knows? Maybe it is. Travis Kalanick, we're ready. Yeah, very ready. Um, And I know you're ready because you're not really doing much, just sitting on billions. Um, So a few weeks ago, Pat and I got an email um, about an event that was happening in Los Angeles called Summit, um, which we've heard of. Yep. Um, We heard about it a few years ago, um, and obviously we think it's a fantastic concept, um, and they bring together the brightest leaders of today's communities um, around the country and around the world, I think even, but this year specifically their flagship event was in LA. And it's pretty cool because like they're not focused on a particular industry. It's like could be anywhere from like artists, authors. Yeah. They say astronauts. I'm sure there's many astronauts who are part of really interesting. Philanthropists, explorers, engineers, spiritual leaders, scientists, you name it. Where the hell did you see astronauts? there um I just saw it yeah and i mean we, we met a few people that could have been astronauts we met a lot of a lot of a lot, yeah. lot of cool people yeah and yeah. by the way so this is invite only so uh it's invite only and i don't know what the ticket price is i don't i don't think it's I don't even published think, i don't think you know until you're invited yeah, yeah yeah so we were invited uh but we weren't invited as pat and posh the individuals we were invited as pat and posh the podcast co-hosts which is huge because big yeah, it's huge because we were one of the very few podcasts that were there and recording live at Summit, which they said was for, awesome. Uh, so this was the third uh, year they did this in LA. Yeah. Um, they've been around for 11 years. Um, and it was the first year they decided to do a podcast activation, which was essentially some, you know, they basically rented out a whole recording studio, like yeah. a pro recording studio with an engineer and a camera team. And yeah. We're like, all right, well, this is a little bit different, but mm-hmm. we'll take it. So... Yeah. Uh, we went and it was, how'd it go? I mean, it went great. And, you know, special shout out to Janelle Gray. Yes. Uh, Janelle was the one that helped set it all up for us. And uh, shout out to Brittany for showing us around and yes. showing us the ins and outs of Summit LA 19. Yeah. And, you know, before this even happened, we got an email and they're like, oh, you know, these are all the amazing speakers that are going to be at the summit. And we're like, that's awesome because, you know, frankly, Pat and I had already seen it. And, Tell- Tell them, tell them the list. Yeah, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna open up the list of speakers. So I'm gonna start from the top. So Dara Hosrawash Hahi, can't even pronounce his name in Armenian. Who, who is that? CEO of Uber. No way. Hamdi Ulakaya, founder and CEO of Chobani. We'll get to him in a bit uh, before we go into the episode. Um, so Hamdi was there. We actually got to see Hamdi talk. Pat and I can kind of go into that a little bit. Reed Robert Hoffman. Smith. Reed Hoffman, LinkedIn Reed founder. Reed Hoffman interviewing Robert Smith for his is that what podcast, it was? Masters yeah. of Scale. Reed ASAP Hoffman, Rocky. Reed Hoffman is the founder of LinkedIn. ASAP Rocky was a speaker. Yeah, was a speaker. And then we also got to see Melody Hobson, um, who was the president of Aerial Investments, former chairwoman of DreamWorks, current vice chairman of Starbucks. And probably the next president of the United States. Yeah, we asked her if she would be the next president of the United States. She's very presidential. She said, never. 
Uh, but that's just we don't, a sure we don't believe bet. it. Yeah, Melody, I know you're listening. You're running for president. Bunch of other people beyond founder Harrison of Beyond Ford? Meat. Harrison Ford, founder of Beyond Meat. Uh, Ethan Brown, Tracy Ellis Ross. Uh, yeah, the list goes on, man. Grandmaster Flash, and then a lot of <laughs> the founder of hip hop, um, and a is lot of uh, a lot of performances. Bonobo, uh, De La Soul's Maceo. If anyone knows De La Soul, Julianne uh, Huff, I think was like a last minute addition because I don't remember her. Julianne Huff was she teaching yoga or something? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Anyways, awesome event. We had a blast. We got to meet a lot of cool people. Uh, and yeah. two of the well, the two of the people we met. Well, before we get into that, so they okay. told us, Janelle. I know you're listening. Janelle told us send us a list of the folks that you'd like to sit down with. Mm. So we send her a list of everyone we just told you guys about. Everyone. Literally. And we're like, you know what? Beggars we'll, can't be We'll choosers. do two minutes each or whatever yeah. we have to do. Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter. We'll just interview all, all of them together. We'll ask them one question. You know, if you were to create your own flavor of frozen yogurt, what would it be? And uh, For those that don't know, that's OG founder hour question yep, right there. Yep. And if you don't know that, that means that you guys got to go back to episode one. Um, well, maybe episode like four or five is when it started. Uh, but anyways, so um, Janelle was awesome. She got back to us and uh, she told us that we could sit down with Alice Waters. Um, who's a legend, big legend, uh, especially, especially in the food space and just kind of the, uh, the movements that she's kind of been a part of. Yeah. For those that don't know who Alice Waters is, Google her right now. Um, she literally is like the founder of the farm to table movement. The whole idea of locally grown, locally sourced food, uh, the slow food movement. And this is like in the, what is it? Like seventies. Yeah. Um, she was part of the free speech movement at Berkeley. Mm-hmm. She was a student there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, big time activist. Uh, she's the founder of Chez Panisse, which is like, I feel like Chez Panisse is like, I don't even think it has a Michelin star, but it's like, one I think of those, it does. I, it, it, if it doesn't, it's like, I feel like it's like better than a Michelin star restaurant. Like it's like a legendary restaurant in Berkeley, California. Um, we haven't been yet, but we are hopefully going to go soon. Yeah, no, it um, does. It does have a Michelin star. It does have a Michelin star. Yeah. Okay. But, um, and and she's one of the first, if not the first, woman to have received the James Beard uh, Foundation right, Award. Right, in the 90s, I think, which is a huge deal. Yeah. Um, yeah, incredible story. We had a chance to actually sit down with Alice mm-hmm. um, and kind of pick her brain on things such as, you know, move, what even sparks a movement and that kind of stuff. Really interesting conversation. And then uh, we were also joined by Elliot Biznow, who's the founder of Summit. Um, incredible dude. Um, we actually saw Elliot earlier in that day interviewing mm-hmm. Hamdi, the founder of Chobani. Mm-hmm. And I was, I mean, I think for both of us, it was like one of the best entrepreneurial yeah. stories we've ever heard. Yeah. yeah. What, what, um, for, I guess my question to you, and before we hop onto the episode, I kind of wanted to touch on this because for those that haven't heard of Hamdi or Hamdi's story, after you listen to this episode of the founder hour, do yourself a favor and go on YouTube and listen to his TED talk. He was also on 60 Minutes. I think, I don't know if it was recently, but he was on 60 Minutes. His TED talk is awesome. It's about the anti CEO and, and yeah. kind of, you know, what he's learned. I mean, this guy's a very, very successful businessman. Multi billionaire. Um, Multi billionaire. Chobani is literally everywhere. Um, I'm sure you've come across Chobani if you're listening um, at some point in your life. Um, but yeah, yeah, go ahead. What were you going to ask? I was going to ask, why did you find his story so fascinating? Why did I find a story so fascinating? Um, yeah, to me, like, it was, he came off as, like, just a straight-up hustler, man. Like, straight-up businessman from the get-go. Like, no, no like, bullshit type of guy. Um, I feel like a lot of people 
you know, have a very similar story. Like, yeah, I sold business cards or bubble gum or whatever in high school. And then like, you know, my, my dad gave me like $20,000 and then like I met yeah. this guy and boom, like I created a multi-billion yeah. dollar company. But this guy was like, I mean, like an immigrant that came here, you know, when he was much, much older, mm-hmm. not, uh, not even in his like younger years. And literally and bought like a, a Kurdish like cheese maker Kurdish cheese maker what his family was right and him and him uh came here with really no plans uh and ended up buying a plant uh with a, an SBA loan mm-hmm. uh without any idea what he was going to do and then yeah. eventually figured out yogurt is like the you know he went and did his due diligence and like or you know studied kind of what's what yeah. people are buying in stores and basically came up with the idea for Greek yogurt and then ended up creating such a phenomenal business but the reason I liked him a lot was like, you know, he sees things a little bit differently than a lot of the people that, mm-hmm. um, you know, we we hear often, you know, that are like thought leaders. And I think he's a fantastic thought leader um, and someone that's, I think, underrated when sure. it comes to just even like talking about how businesses, you know, what the what what the purpose purpose of a business is, you know, and what the purpose of a CEO is and what the purpose of a, a founder is and what the purpose of, you know, and like you know, the whole idea of business as a as a do good mm-hmm. venture and not just you know a capitalistic right. venture. So it was yeah, it was great. And that ties you. pretty well into Alice Waters as well. And I think with Alice and Elliot both, we talk a lot about community. We talk a lot about different movements, and that was really kind of the focal point of this episode that uh, you'll be hearing in, in a little bit. Um, and, and that was what it was really about. I mean, you'll hear Alice Waters talking about how when she started Chapanese or was doing any of this stuff, it wasn't for any other reason than because like she wanted to. It yep. wasn't necessarily, you know, with intent that she was going to create a farm to table movement. She just believed that it was the right thing to do. Or, you know, with, you know, Hamdi, like, you know, how he treats his employees and how he treats the community. He just believes that it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Same with Elliot, you know, building Summit and, you know, bringing all these people together. It was what they believed really deeply that it was the right thing. And I think that a lot of times, especially in today's world, you forget that the best businesses and the biggest impact businesses are around things that actually people believe in truly, mm-hmm. not just, you know, is a profit puppy, as our friends over at Robin Hood Snacks call it. Uh, <laughs> shout out Robin Hood Snacks. Um, but it really kind of, and that's what kind of was inspiring about Hamdi and, you know, Alice and Elliot was they're just ordinary human beings that did extraordinary things, but because they were just. Yeah, like so Hamdi didn't themselves. have a background in business. He wasn't like a, you know, a tried and true, like yeah. entrepreneur. He was literally. And I don't even think Alice Waters was a yeah. trained chef. No, I don't think she even. I think like I heard an interview of hers, and I, I think she she says she now considers herself a chef, but she never really like considered herself a chef until somebody a really famous chef told her like you are a chef. Um, in <laughs> yeah. all you know, yeah, in yeah. All, whatever the word, but yeah, um, no, she yeah she was someone that just loved cooking and yeah. wanted to have like this kind of family dinner vibe and that's really what she created and that's still what it is today yeah and and i think that the one thing i just wanted to clarify before you guys listen to the conversation was and because it could come off a little bit i don't want to call it confusing but if you don't know necessarily what the topic was around it's a little hard to really dissect the first time around and she was really talking about more than the farm to table movement more so you know the slow food movement right Mm -hmm. like we have fast food yep she is 
advocating for the opposite, you know, slow food, regenerative food, sustainable food. Those are the kind of words that you'll hear. Um, and if you guys have any questions and I really hope you guys do, please feel free to reach out to me and Pat after you guys listen to the episode, shoot us a DM on Instagram, send us an email at thefounderhour.com, hello at thefounderhour.com or our names, posh pat at founderhour.com. Um, and ask us this question, ask us whatever questions you may have about the topic at hand, Perhaps we can even ask Alice and Elliot to kind of elaborate on the, those topics as well. Um, but that's really what the conversation was about. And I really hope you guys enjoy because it, it was very different than, you know, the typical Founder Hour episodes that we do mm-hmm. delving into their stories. This was really more so delving into their mindsets of why they did what they did and the impact that it's had in the future, which is really cool. I think we focus a lot on what the future holds Um when you focus on building community and building movements. So um, we had a great time and, you know. Yeah, before we before we kick it off, I uh, wanted to say, please, please, if you haven't uh, subscribed and given us a five-star rating, ideally, yeah. or just given us a rating and a review, please do so. Yeah. Um, it really means a lot to us. Yeah, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it's a little complicated, so just scroll down from where yeah, you're listening Yeah, scroll all the way now. down and you'll see it at the bottom. Yeah, five uh, it's just, yeah, there's stars and you just click on one of them, ideally the fifth one, and uh, write a nice little review. It really goes a long way. That really helps us reach more and more people, and that's really the way podcasts, our podcast will grow more and more and, and try to reach more and more people so we can keep, you know, we'll keep, we'll keep doing this, but, you know, we can keep reaching more people and inspiring more people so thank you guys so much here we go what's up everybody we're here at summit la 19 we're the founder of our podcast i'm your co-host posh i'm pat and we're lucky enough here to be with the co-founder of summit uh, uh, elliot biznow and the legendary alice waters who i'm sure you all have heard of uh and so we're so excited to be here elliot you know what you've put on the past 11 years has been truly incredible. Uh, and I would love to kind of hear why you did it and where it's at now and really kind of inspire the audience as to why they should be involved with this community as well. Well, communities change the world. And that's been our passion for 11 years. And that's where things start. And we spend so much of our time and focus talking about big ideas and big politics and big visions. But everything needs roots. And I live in Utah in a 4,000-person town. And I'm deeply engaged in my community, and community's been my passions. We see people starting business around technology, around products, and everything I've ever done is around community and you, around getting people together. Yeah, and do you remember, like, was there a moment, like, throughout your life where that became, like, real, like, I want to do this for the rest of my life, I want to focus on building a community, or was it something that you just grew up with, like, your whole life? I started a business in college with my dad, and I didn't know anybody, and in my pursuit of meeting other people... I realized I really, really loved finding passionate, interesting, kind, open people. And as that pursuit of interesting people continued, I became more and more excited when you met the real groundbreaking people Mm -hmm. and the people doing the work. And this event is 2,500 people. We're in downtown Los Angeles, and it's multidisciplinary. It's people of every imaginable background and it's talks, it's content, it's music, it's art, and it's about coming together, meeting other people, and asking ourselves, you know, can business be good for the world? And can we collaborate? And can we leave here? Can we leave the end of the year? Can we leave the end, the end of the decade, you know, having put something positive uh, into the world? Mm-hmm. And I think, Alice, I think that's a great kind of segue to you as well as, 
you've put that at the forefront of what you've done, right? You put community and you put the world in a, ahead of the businesses. You started the businesses that you started and done what you've done because of that. Why was that the case? You know, whether it was the restaurant, whether it's the books, whether it's just the movements in general, what inspired you to put the world and others before you and what you were doing? Well, I wasn't looking at the time to to build a community. I, I, I kind of had one living in Berkeley and going to the University of California in the 60s, mm. <laughs> Berkeley in the 60s, yeah. that, that you felt like you were part of a movement. And it was really empowering to me. I, I just, it, it, it said to me, you know, do whatever you're going to do, but do it as well as you can, and people will come, and they'll eat in your restaurant if mm -hmm. you open a restaurant. And it never occurred to me that I was just this person who was starting a restaurant as a woman. It never occurred to me that I couldn't be successful because I had all these friends yeah. in, in Berkeley. Yeah. And if the food was good enough, they would come. Totally. Um, I think it's interesting. It's an interesting dynamic because like, I feel like you know, with you, it was more so um, it became a movement. And I'm sure there's a lot of um, you know, work that you put in like, behind the scenes to, to, to push that movement even further. But in your case, Elliot, um, you, know, you, you saw this real vision that you wanted to you know, actually actively focus on building a community. But I guess, how does it, as Posh mentioned, it's 11, 11 years now. How does it come to this point? Like, how do you, how does that community grow? Like, what are the, what are the, like the things that you ha like have to do if you're trying to build a community or what you've learned? Well, I started Summit because I wasn't part of any community. I wasn't invited to anything. I, w I didn't have any mentors or any peers who were also entrepreneurs. And that word's thrown around a lot, but it means someone who wants to put their dream into the world and they want to build it with their bare hands. And they want to face the obstacles. And so when it come to, came to meeting those types of people, I didn't know anyone. And so I set out to build that, build a community. And the community started really small. At first, I thought I you know, just wanted to meet maybe a half a dozen people. And the first summit ever was 19 people. But everyone who came came for a reason. And they left realizing that they had other friends who also wanted to be part of this new entrepreneurial right. movement. And the next event was 60 people. And six months later, it was 120 people. And you know, over the last decade, it's grown to tens and tens of thousands of people who are entrepreneurs who want to be part of this movement. And I think the way that the community shifted is that there was a belief, almost a myth now, that entrepreneurship will save the world. And that's not right. Building a business doesn't save the world. Building a business with purpose and building a business that is awareness of the planet and the communities that you live in, building a business that actually believes what's good for business should be good for the world that that is the future of entrepreneurship and so we've seen that shift over the last decade of summit and here that's that's the big focus on the content and the types of people mm -hmm. that come everyone's asking that question mm -hmm. did you looking back did you envision this what it became did you know did you think that this is what it would become and even beyond this like did that this would be such a big uh impact in the communities that summit was in 
Well, I think at the very beginning, almost nobody envisions something very grand because you start something out of a true passion. You, you really just start something small. And then it's generally a couple of years in that you start to form this bigger idea. Wow, this community is really catching on. There's a few hundred people. And if there's a few hundred people, maybe there could be a few thousand people. Wow, this food movement is really catching on in this community. Mm-hmm. Maybe it could spread to other communities. Yeah. And kind of, Alex, I know you kind of reacted to what he was saying. I know back in Berkeley, you know, you were really involved in the free speech movement. And that's when that massive movement was happening. How did the learnings of that impact the movement that you ended up creating in the food industry, in the food space? Well, I think it was really, really important that we, as a movement, we were able to stop the war in Vietnam. It was uh, such an important thing at that time, and it meant everything to all of us that we could come together and really get the government Mm -hmm. to stop the war. And yes, it unfortunately, students were killed at Kent State to to bring that awareness. Mm -hmm. But we felt so empowered. And I've never lost that hopefulness. I carry with I, if if we can gather together, and if we are really determined, we can change the world. And I know it feels so impossible at this moment, and climate change is upon us. Right. But I so believe that if we were to really, you know, know for sure that that regenerative agriculture could bring down that carbon into the ground where it belongs, if we understood that our own health depends on that food grown in that way, And that at the same time that we could save the planet, Mm -hmm. I think really that people would think about what they were eating and eat with determination, understand where it came from, and support the people who were doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. I think we are so lost in this fast food culture. I call it that because I think when when we eat, we eat the values that mm-hmm. come with the food. Mm-hmm. So when you're eating fast food, you you're, want something fast, cheap, and easy. Mm-hmm. You want something uniform. You want it available 24-7. You don't care where it came from. You don't care how it's produced. You, you, cooking is drudgery. Farming is drudgery. Yeah. And you are really, and it's okay, more is better. Time is money. And these are the values that have really changed our world. Mm-hmm. 
and have disconnected us to nature. But if, you know, you just, you know, if I had a chance, I always wanted a chance to give Bill Clinton a peach. I just thought if he tasted a ripe peach at the right moment, he would have an epiphany. Yeah. And he would understand the power of food. And and that's that's what I'm trying to do. Did you do. ever give him or any president a peach? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I think Obama took a peach, didn't he? What? Did Obama t- ever take a peach? Or did you ever have a food <laughs> moment with someone like that where you put something in front of them that fresh that, that changed the perspective? Well, I have given many, many politicians a perfect Kishu Mandarin or mm. whatever was of the moment. And it is, I don't know, but I feel like it, it created an awareness. And I'm always wanting to feed people ideas. I don't want to talk about it. I want them to sit down and, and taste it because we've lost our senses, the, the, the discernment. We're not smelling. We're not really tasting. We're not listening, seeing. So. And can, I, can I ask Alice a question? When yeah. you reflect back on the countercultural movements that became mainstream that you were a part of, you talked about the Vietnam War, the new American food movement and the connection to the food and the roots and the soil, and you reflect back on you know how Edible Schoolyard and how that seemed wild when it launched, and now every parent wants, well, that needs to be in my school. What, what similarities do you see in these countercultural movements that really gain roots and grow? I see that, that um, well, I'm, I'm a Montessori teacher. I came from that movement, mm-hmm. which is an education movement that, was, uh, that began at the beginning, of, well, at the end of the last century. Yeah. And Maria Montessori was an Italian who was a doctor. And she really wanted to work with the people that were poor in Naples and in India because they were sensorily deprived. And that is what is so interesting to me, is that, that we have a nation, really a world, that is sensorily deprived, not just because of hunger and poverty, but because of an indoctrination by a fast food culture. Right. And so I'm, I think the idea of education, hmm. education is the place where we can reach all children when they're young hmm. and open. And we can bring them into a relationship with nature and who's a better teacher and food is the best teacher and alice obviously that's something that is already you know kind of that you're already doing but how do you see yourself you know spreading that message to the masses you know of course sitting down with them one-on-one i mean no. when you talk about oranges and peaches i can't i can't i'm, I'm just getting hungry but h- how can you do that on a mass scale where you send that message across and you change 
that messaging from early days? Because obviously, you know, you see parents feeding their kids fast food all the time and they're not helping the problem. They're just creating a bigger one. Well, I think we have to go to the public school system and we have to really change school lunch. So I have a whole group of us with the Edible Schoolyard Project have proposed a free regenerative school lunch for every kid in the state of California. Mm. And by supporting the farmers and the ranchers who are taking care of the land for the future. So buying directly, which is what we've done at Chez Panisse for almost 50 years mm. now, is thought to be impossibly hard. But again, that's an indoctrination from a fast food company that would like yeah. to continue to feed our children in school food that's making them sick. And you're using a word regenerative, which I, I, when did you start using that word in mainstream conversations and, and when, putting it forward into Edible <laughs> Schoolyard, for example? Actually, about six months ago, <laughs> when Ron Finley was on stage with me in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and he said, Alice, stop using that word sustainable, because sustaining means being at the level that we are at mm. right now. And we're so low down. <laughs> we're so yeah. below. We're and sustaining he, the bad. We're exactly, exactly. He says it's regenerative. Use that word to regenerate. And I've had that confirmed in so many conferences I've been to recently. One very important one at Al Gore's farm mm -hmm. in Tennessee. And uh, one of the main speakers was uh, mind-blowing. Yeah. <laughs> it's this guy named Zach Bush, mm -hmm. who is a doctor. Isn't he amazing? Yeah. You know him. And he, he talked about how regenerative agriculture could actually rebuild our immune systems. Mm. And I felt like... I was, had a, a whole digestive system that was like the roots of the plants, that all of those enzymes that are going into the plant was so similar to what was happening inside me. I felt related mm -hmm. to the plant. And I, I just, that is a connection to nature that, that seems so... I don't know, just so amazing to me that we could yeah. eat that, that food and become well again. And I love how you bring that up because I feel like in, at least like when you think of, of, of what, speaking of movements, like what, what is that message? What is something that people get behind? It's always, when you really boil it down, it's like, what is the most uh, relatable thing that you can apply to your own life and that sort of like gets multiplied and multiplied and multiplied? Well, one, just to follow up on what yeah. you're saying, I mean... Yeah. The concept that entrepreneurship is good for the world is wrong. If you're, you know, people, oh, you have a business idea, so you can make money and put mm -hmm. a worthless plastic product right. into the world. That's wrong. And that same shift in food, I mean, organic is only good for you, right? And I think that shift you're talking about where we need to shift to food eating mm -hmm. that's regenerating the soil and regenerating the planet, it, it reminds me of me 
preaching about the shift in entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. It is not just about you making money and good for your consumers. What about the planet? Yeah. <laughs> And we're asking the same questions in our in our different spaces. And Elliot and Alice, why don't you think people are focusing on that more? I mean, be, like, because it's it seems like sustainability and all this stuff are these buzzwords. But why aren't people taking action? Because we are sensorily deprived. We have lost our connection to nature. We think when we buy organic food that that that's enough. But we really need to know where everything comes from. We need to to really go out and see the farm. We need to eat together. We need to cook together. We need to be in the season of the year at that moment in time. When you are disconnected and you're feeling like you can have anything you want anytime you want it because you got the money to buy it and it comes to your door it's easy now. access I mean it's it's that those values that we've lost and so it's so much easier to have them come back when you're five years old mm. and that's why I'm focused on the on the public school system because mm-hmm. they don't know our last like not truly to. democratic institution really. Right. And I want to go there. And I think the children bring home the messages to their family. But they will never forget. They never miss a class at the Edible Schoolyard Project. Mm. If it's in the garden or the kitchen classroom. And we're not teaching cooking and gardening, per se. This is a math class. It's a history class. It's a science class. But... You know, the Edible Schoolyard really began 25 years ago in one school, okay? One school. And now we have tried to map the network. Mm -hmm. And it's almost in 7,000 places around the world. And it's not because we found those people, but they just connected because they shared the value of nourishment stewardship and community and so i feel like i could go to any one of those schools and feel like i had friends yeah it just goes to say like when you have a really strong belief in something like just put it out there in the world however you do it that's right there's going to be people that agree with you and want to help you i mean it's like the rightness of something i think we have the genes still inside us it resonates these are ideas i mean Everybody eats, or right. we all have to eat to live. It's a universal. I mean, community, children have always been a really important since the beginning of civilization for millennia. Mm-hmm. Taking care of nature because that's where our food comes from. Mm-hmm. So these aren't, you know, ideas we dreamed of. We're just taking, we're breathing life into that. Right? That's what we're doing. We're breathing real life into them. Mm-hmm. Not, not a made-up kind of value. But not, not like more is better. Yeah. 
I remember seven years ago. To I, make money. <laughs> I remember seven years ago, I was tidying up my house, feeling really good about how clean I was, throwing things in the trash. And my wife, she said, where, where do you think all that trash goes? And I'm like, well, they take it away. And it's, and I'm, she's like, where's away? Yeah. Where is she's away? She's like, there is no away. I'm like, and I had never thought of a yeah. way. Yeah. I thought it was in time. Like some vacuum that just like yeah. goes yes. into the world and, and it just I, disappears. You know, I didn't know. Yeah. And, and then as soon, you know, ignorance is bliss. For sure. Because as soon as I knew, then I was culpable. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, oh exactly. my gosh, what am I supposed to do with all these things? And, do I need to... And you know, we were having a conversation the other day with someone who's in that fashion upcycling, recycling space and was telling us like these companies like H&M and Forever 21 burning the clothing and how, just the negative impact of the environment, right? And you, you think, you know, like you talk about fast food and fast fashion and slow food and slow fashion, right? It's all a part of that. We want it right now, right? It's that culture of I want it right now. I want success right now. I want money right now. I want the all the happiness and joy right now. But it's almost like the journey no longer exists. Exactly. It doesn't matter. It's right. But in fact, it is cooking, shopping by hand, making that and having people like what you're making that 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 gives you this kind of incredible satisfaction. Mm -hmm. I mean, that I gave you something. And it can't, it, 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 there's no replacement for that kind of, of, you know, feeling right. that you get. Um, going back to you, Elliot, um, how do you, I mean, after all these years, you've built this thing, and I, I can, you know, you're still very much involved. Um, how do you, how do you see Summit sustain, like, I guess, transcending, like, what you build, and once, you know, you're no longer involved, whenever that may be? Is that something that, like, you've already started putting into motion, or, or how is that going to work? Well, the best part about the Summit community is that we never raised any money from investors over 11 years. And so whenever you have a startup, and you start the startup, and you raise your first little bit of money at any little valuation, and they want a 50x return, then your yeah. destiny That's is preordained. Right. Yeah. And you have to go for a big, big company. And so we've never done that. And we have an amazing team of 50 people. And then we have 400 more people who work at the events. And our goal has been to build a community. Mm -hmm. And our number one value has been, not like we say ROC, return on community, not yeah, you know right. return on capital. And so we've just been building events and we've been building the community. And, uh, you know, I heard someone say once, scale or fail. Mm. And said, That's not what we're doing. <laughs> you know, you have a chance to, you know, do more and more and more, or you could do less better. Right. I feel, like, I feel like if anyone was to look at this event or just what the events you guys put on, like they would probably not think that you only have 50 people behind this thing, but you've clearly been able to do so much with a lean team. And that's what a lot of people don't really understand how much you can do with the right people. Yeah, our mission has been to do less better, to really focus on community. We built a fellows program. We have 83 fellows from around the world that we are plugging in this summit community. I think the opportunity, we're building a community of inspired, activated entrepreneurs and citizens, and the opportunity to plug activists into the community, the opportunity to plug you know, entrepreneurs from around the globe who wouldn't otherwise be in the community um, to bring diversity in youth and diversity from different cities diversity in background. So for us, it's about building the community in a better, more thoughtful way rather than growing and growing and growing. Mm. That That's never been our goal. I love it. Alice, when you started Chez Panisse back 
you said what, 40, 50 years ago? Uh, 48 years. 48 years. <laughs> what was your vision? I know that you had just kind of started dabbling in that space, but what was the vision back then versus what it is now? Well, I wanted it to be a neighborhood restaurant. I never thought about it as being more than that. That it was in a house, and I wanted you to feel like you were coming to dinner mm -hmm. at some friend's house. And I have never lost that sense of it, even though we got a little bit bigger house, I mean, <laughs> building the, mm -hmm. the cafe upstairs. Yeah. But it's that with the open kitchen and wanting, wanting to, to just demystify what it was to be in a restaurant. You can come in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. You feel part of it. And I wanted the family of Chez Panisse, I call it La Famille Panisse, because it's just grown and grown and grown. There's so many people who have worked in the restaurant over this period of time. Mm -hmm. and, and it's people that share those values and collaborate in the conversation. I'm sure you do that. Is how can we fine-tune this? We never, every year we decide, do we want to do it again? Mm. And, and then we feel like we're challenged. We want to keep it alive. We are doing what we need to do. We never want to be on automatic where we're not engaged. And that, that's really kept it alive. Mm -hmm. And I think people do feel that when they work, but we have an internship program. And we have students from Cal who come for four years mm -hmm. and work as busboy or work in, mm -hmm. the, in the kitchen. And they take away these values. And I'm sure they will not forget them because they're really important to all of us. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's always a work in progress, and it's always meeting the most interesting people. Mm -hmm. I, I, I can't say enough about that, that, that it, it's full of, of people that, that are in just, all yeah. different kinds mm -hmm. of work and art is terribly important for yeah one question i had I, I heard an yeah. interview of you recently that you're on and you mentioned like when you were starting japanese um you you just got a lot of people around you to give you money without any expect to you know expectation to get the money back it was more so like you're really good at this we want you to do it here's our money and i think that goes to show like you know when someone is really behind something whether it's a business or a movement or whatever then yeah. they'll do what they can to help but like was that the reason like was there any other like why do you think that was that how, how like how they, that like, I, they wanted a restaurant <laughs> to eat <laughs> yeah. so they could eat with you their know, friends one final question for both of you yeah i know it's not coming anytime soon but what is the final meal that you two want to have together <laughs> together and individually pasta and pesto <laughs> Ooh, I'll share Plaster. that with and you. And we're going to make the pesto <laughs> from our basil plant. I love it. It's always, so that's the only way to make it. <laughs> uh, people ask that question, and I'm always torn. I think I have, it has to be a salad for me. And it 
has to probably be in those that beautiful chicory place in the winter when it's mm. every color, maroon and yellow with spots on it, green spots. And you're just eating, you know, this, it almost feels like you're eating some artistic. Yeah. Uh, mm. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm going to take mine back and have salad with Alice. <laughs> no, I'm going to eat that have, salad too. We're going to have pasta pesto and then we're going to have the salad. <laughs> I love it. Two courses. Elliot, two courses. Alice, this has been a fantastic time. Yeah, it's been super so inspiring. And I really hope that the listeners really take away something from this and really apply it to their lives as opposed to just consume it. Uh, and I hope that you guys continue to both do the work that you're doing and continuing to inspire and build community and make a difference. So thank you guys. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks.